Hey friends, welcome to Death and a Butterfly. I'm your host, Carrie. Join me as we delve into a broad spectrum of topics, including, but not limited to, spirituality and well-being. Sharing knowledge for the modern journeyer, welcome to the thought process. Glad you're here and we can resonate together. Please like and subscribe to stay updated. And if you enjoy what you hear, please share with someone you love. If there are agreements made that no longer serve you, cut it away. Avoid analyzing Hold space for those who need to do so. You are not here to process. You're here to move forward. I am talking about relationship agreements with yourself and others and I think this stems from a lot of unhealed traumas um, which is why I got the idea of speaking about accepting help um, and lack thereof due to whatever circumstances you may have had growing up. But how do you hold space when things aren't going your way? Do you have grace during the discomfort of change? Are you able to name what is intolerable? And... Do you ask yourself if the dialogue going on is acceptable? Now, I specifically have grown up in a relationship agreement with a very toxic family and I always get that, well, they're your family, so you need to just deal with it. Just kind of forgive and move on. And I've done that to an extent. Here's the thing. I don't think it matters if they are your family, if they are your mom or your dad, your sister, your brother, a long-term doctored-in friend. <laughs> um, if there are relationships that no longer serve you, cut it away. So it doesn't matter if it's blood or not. Because frankly, I'll say in terms of mine right now, um, 
My parents make it so it's a very toxic environment and as much as I try to set up boundaries for myself, I am consistently in a battle of control and when I find conversations going down the route of an argument, I will literally do everything in my power to avoid it by saying, listen, this conversation isn't going in a direction that like I want to continue. Um, <laughs> I'll talk to you tomorrow. Give you a chance to cool off because I don't want to have an argument right now. And then it'll be a continued push to have an argument. And <laughs> it's just a real lack of respect in terms of my boundaries because I find other people are just really trying to assert their control over me and I'm getting to the point where instead of having arguments or getting to that level, I really just want to avoid it and step away uh, so I do not have to participate in that. However, some people just do not see it as that and as much as Perhaps you're giving them different input. The output from them may still, in fact, be the exact same thing that you have always gotten. And so in terms of what I am speaking to is I have forgiven and moved past quite a few things um, in my life. And... Um, just for the sake of the fact that, you know what, like, they're my parents. But, I mean, if you speak to someone about a childhood trauma, if you've listened to my first podcast, you will already know that um, when I was nine years old, I was sexually abused by my foster brother and I kind of like completely hung on to that and I didn't tell anyone because I a didn't know how to process it having sex at nine is like super traumatizing actually um I laugh about it now but like honestly it was very traumatizing and I didn't want anything to do with men for like a very very long time because I just felt as if I couldn't trust them to not go past my boundaries and so I'm finding <laughs> with my family um, when I spoke to that I was invalidated because a 12 year old could not possibly have gotten an erection um, I think when I was 12 maybe 11 actually is when I got my <laughs> first menstruation and my mom told me how excited and happy she was that I had become a woman because she was worried that I might be a hermaphrodite because I just have a very large bone structure and my shoulders are very broad and my hands are very big and I really feel like that is not something an 11 year old needs to hear and so I've talked about these things and 
I don't think it ever comes from a reframe that perhaps the input that they're giving is not the correct type of input. And I get it. I can accept that that is how they are as people. But at the same token, I do not have to keep putting myself in that position that I become invalidated um, or there's some sort of control that needs to be had in order to just get what you want out of the situation. And what I'm finding is the more that I stand up for my truths or what my boundaries are, they are consistently being pushed. And I am consistently told that I'm the one that's being the problem because I'm trying to be assertive. So I'm going to specifically speak about assertiveness versus being manipulative. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown in terms of how I am able to process a lot of this with my work in shamanism. And I'll just briefly touch on maybe the types of people you can encounter and how you might be giving away your power to those situations. So you could be dealing with an irritator and those are people or behaviors or habits or small problems that bother you enough to lose your calm or your center of gravity or it just causes you to be very reactive but it really has no real importance of its own. So they might catch you off guard, try to command your time, energy, attention, and resources. And it can be very exasperating, but the more irritation you feel, the stronger these people tend to be. And it can be most effective on people who lack patience or clear boundaries. So take a moment and maybe think if there are any of those types of people in your life. Also take notes. <laughs> um, manipulators. These ones are super fun. Let me tell you. So they're very clever. They like to have some or all control over others. They may unconsciously allow their manipulative impulses to surface from time to time. Or they may manipulate others consciously and purposefully. So using schemes to get their way out of something. Um, either way, they can get to you to do something, you know, that you otherwise would not do. And sometimes they're so clever that you don't even realize you're being manipulated. A good example of a consciously manipulating tyrant 
is found in advertisements that promise you will be better loved and more accepted by people if you use certain products or they will say whatever they think will increase the odds of getting you to do what they want. I'm going to say that one again. Manipulators will say whatever they think they need to say to increase the odds of getting you to do what they want. The really skilled ones get past your critical thinking by targeting some inner weakness, yearning, self-doubt, or guilt you carry around inside. At their worst, they can trick you into getting in serious trouble with the law or into some sort of personal danger. So once again, take a moment, maybe think about any sort of people you have encountered in your life that have been manipulators. I'm going to move on to the next one. (laughs) Tormentors. So they're often suffering from their own pain and anger and they'll take it out on others, making everybody else in their path miserable. They may torment you with words or with emotional or even physical abuse. They will zone in on whatever will upset or control you the most. The result is to reduce the spark of happiness and joy from your life. And it's also possible for someone to torment you without even trying. They may habitually stir things up or poke away at vulnerabilities as a way of interacting. Someone who takes everything personally will be thrown off by this behavior. So how many, (laughs) and obviously you can't put your hands up, but how many of you have literally had a person in your life that would habitually say, oh, you know, like so-and-so hasn't maybe acted out lately, like how long until it happens again? And they just poke the bear. Just see what sort of reaction they can get out of you. And it's like they take pleasure in it. It's like the fun suckers. (laughs) Like, oh, you're, you're, you're looking like you're pretty good right now. Like, how about I just go see what I can do? (laughs) So literally, think about if you have ever encountered someone who's a tormentor. We've got four more and then I'm moving on. Melancholics. They are the type of tyrant that oppresses with sadness. They are people who are unhappy, pessimistic, and even despondent or hopeless. They have a tendency to whine or be morose. 
You may see them as lovable losers who are always telling their latest sad story. And they insist that their problems are insurmountable. They will tell you about the latest chapter in their bad luck story and also try to infect you with their shitty attitude and their bleak outlook on life. When you lose your center and succumb to this person, you become negative yourself. They work with pity and you pity them because you have some unresolved self-pity for yourself. And it turns into a vicious circle of everything is happening to me instead of what can I learn from this that is happening for me. So who in your life seems pretty pessimistic and unhappy and maybe the sky is always falling next one is dictators and authoritarians <laughs> um this is probably pretty close to what the government is doing right now but i'll let you discern for yourselves Dictators and authoritarians are major tyrants. They seek to control you, dominate your will and your energy. They are able to use any of the directions of this tyrant wheel that I'm speaking to right now to achieve control. So they may be threatening and abusive, but they may also pretend to be acting for your own good or to save you from yourself. However, they cannot have control over your spirit and energy unless you give them this control. When you give this much power to another, it is because self-pity and self-importance are given power to your inner and outer tyrants both thrive on those two energies the next one is going to be self-pity and the one following that is self-importance so let's touch on these when you feel self-pity, you don't want to see your own accountability for the situations and circumstances of your life. You don't see that you could do something about your problems. It's very much so the woe is me mentality. Often it's a very unconscious learned perspective or attitude and I will 100% vouch from that because I learned self-pity from my parents. It makes you vulnerable to those inner voices that tell you 
you aren't good enough and you'll never make it. This inner dialogue makes for an easy target because you're now vulnerable to every other tyrant I've described. For you to get out of your self-pity, it requires <laughs> that you stand up for your life challenges and empower yourself. Notice and celebrate your successes and support yourself in having more of them. Self-importance is having a strong personal investment in looking good. It's being attached to how others will see you in terms of excellence. And if achieving excellence is your true goal, you don't need your excellence to be seen or confirmed by others. I'm going to say that one again. If being excellent is your true goal in life, you won't need to fly your excellence flag to be affirmed by anyone else. Appreciation from others is nice, but you don't need it unless you really don't believe in yourself. This is, in essence, self-importance. You don't really believe in yourself, so you need others to believe in you. It's a cover for the self-pity that you have not yet healed. So out of all of these pity and petty tyrants, you can have tyrants affect your inner tyrants through environmental situations and we'll say two-legged tyrants so people that you engage with or just overall situational tyrancy where there are things occurring that will kind of all play off of each other here and it's really about seeking growth and refining our character once we are able to sort out why we're being triggered by these types of people. I can personally say from today when I was triggered, I just really understood the fact that what I was engaging in in terms of my family was the overall authoritarian that just really seeks to control and they're very unhappy when you don't do what they say. They're very quick to say everything they need to say if you're not following every single little rule to a T or you aren't engaging with them in whatever respect they're trying to get. So Maybe they're trying to argue with you. Maybe you're trying to set up boundaries in space that you don't need to explain to them. Or you don't need to say, 
go out on a date with someone when they ask you to because you're not feeling it. Don't ever feel coerced into something. So that is the wheel there. Now I am really going to talk about the attributes of being a warrior. And then I'll also talk about assertiveness for your personal power versus someone who is not being assertive, but they're being aggressive. So in terms of the attributes of warriorship, this is another wheel. So in the South, we have control. And the tyrant or your inner tyrant really tries to explore your inability to maintain internal self-control. It is your emotional balance, your self-soothing, and your inability to have that balance and controlling you is what gives this tyrant a rush of power. He wins, you lose. So internal self-control is very much so the key to maintaining your inner authority and neutralizing the tyrant. So if you're essentially not giving them the attention that they want by having that control instead of acting or reacting emotionally to how this person is playing their games, you have the choice in your action. So when it comes to this and staying in control, this is what it means by staying grounded. And it just means to keep your energy at your physical center of gravity, so just below your navel. If we even think of martial artists or Buddhists or even students of shamanism like me, where we're taught to use this resource. And it's typically called the one point. And it'll be about an inch below your navel. And you just stick your pointer finger there. And what you're going to be doing is you literally just breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. You close your eyes. You focus on your breathing and you focus on your one point. And this is actually just going to help bring your energy from that reactive state in your head and in your brain back down to your center of gravity and ground you. So that is the south of the wheel. That is control. We're going to move on to the west side, which is discipline. And tyrants always try to create rewards and punishments designed to control your behavior. So you do something that they like, you get a cookie. You don't do something that they like. No cookies for you. <laughs> but in this way, they attempt to exert discipline over you the way they would with a child. And 
I don't know about you, but I'm not a child anymore. So these types of people really trigger me because <laughs> there's something about being talked down to in a way that you're just marginalized. So discipline is training yourself to look at the possible actions and non-actions. I'm going to say that again, non-actions. You can make that will give you the results you most desire. Meaning you need to listen to your own intuition or your own inner feeling and create your own goals and continue to move towards them. It also means that you're not becoming a tyrant. So are you getting the results you desire without becoming a tyrant yourself? And are you staying neutral and assertive in order to stay free? Remember, a successful action will be one that is neutral, self-responsible, and without pity or self-importance. Because remember, those are your inner tyrants. Moving on to the north of the wheel is forbearance. And... One of the possible responses to a tyrant is no response at all. So to feel the pressure of said tyrant, but to neither react nor allow it to affect you or restrict your actions. Having forbearance means Shifting to see what you can do and not restricting your actions based on what they're doing. So be in your power and firm in your truth because it matters so you're not losing energy. And if it's a conversation that needs to be started, maybe just go... The way you're speaking isn't working for me. And maybe put an end to that conversation. And if they try to continue that conversation, <laughs> it usually um, ends in an outraged response and can disempower you because you took the bait. So it's really important to discern where it's effective and where it's not. And this really helps you step into your power. In the East is timing. And timing refers to choosing the best moment to have an effective response. <laughs> There's a kind of intuitive magic to having good timing with a tyrant. <laughs> And sometimes it can be so funny because you'll perfectly time what you need to say and it'll completely throw them off whatever it was that they were trying to say. 
and it stuns them for a moment. And I'm not saying because it's like funny to like confuse people, but if you think of it this way, if you don't already have good timing, you can learn it. But it's like learning to hunt. So if you think about if you've ever had a cat and you kind of watch how it's like waiting to pounce and it always seems to find the perfect timing, this can be learned. It's a combination of holding a strong and clear intention. And that, in this case, would be to neutralize the impact of the tyrant, committing to a specific action you wish to take, and actively, but patiently, looking for the best moment to take that action. Sometimes it's better to just commit to the action first, or you might not ever find the right moment. Having good timing requires that you are willing to make the jump when it is time to act. And you might have great success, or you might not. But it takes some courage. And either way, you'll learn something about yourself that is the primary underlying goal of your warriorship. Really having patience, but not just sitting back and letting them walk all over you. In the center of the wheel for the last one is will. It's your ability to create and sustain an unwavering intent and take deliberate and sustained actions to make that intent happen. No matter what challenges or obstacles you may encounter. And it's really the harnessing of your entire life force. So having a weak will will make you vulnerable to both inner and outer tyrants. Ooh, imagine an outer tyrant and then self-pity on top of it. Oh wait, <laughs> I've been there before. Done that. It's a, it's a rough go. <laughs> it really is. Just think of any moment where someone has done something to you and then you get in your little pity, pa- pity party and maybe you go straight to tell a friend that something's occurring. And so you've got both of these forces working on your inner and your outer, and it's just, it's so much. It's so much to take on, and in terms of your power and your energy, what are you doing with it? It's almost like you're giving more of it away. Is it worth impacting your mental and emotional health? The more that you strengthen your will, the more you'll be able to accomplish the things that you want in your life. Create intense goals and see them all the way through right to completion. That's the way to strengthen your will. But when you back out and don't meet it head on, it will be back. I've talked about this multiple times. If something occurs and say you just react to it and you don't learn anything from it, the same thing will come back around eventually 
maybe in the form of a different lesson, maybe through a different person, but it'll be the exact same thing, trying to teach you something, and if you miss the lesson again, then there'll be another lesson coming around. It's really about loving yourself enough to negotiate your life and stand in your power. Change your circumstances. You can really pull your best efforts out of yourself if you learn to harness your will. You'll learn from the mistakes and the failures you make. And in the process, there will be multiple opportunities to overcome your self-pity and self-importance. We've all been there. The mastery of will is the mastery of all four qualities of your warriorship. Control, discipline, forbearance, and timing. It's a continuous state of self-love and worth. So I'm going to move on to the aggression wheel. This guy is literally going to give you maybe step-by-step step of the type of person you may be or the type of person you're encountering when you are stepping in to a moment of aggression. So I'm just going to list off what kind of sits under here, but... It'll be a closed agenda. It will involve a lot of manipulation, a lot of ignoring, maybe invalidating, an overall authoritarian command. So if you think back to that tyrant that is an authoritarian, diminishing, marginalizing others, monopolizing conversations, and discussions, controlling, threatening, bullying, a pompous or entitled presence, dominating, there's always a required obedience or compliance when dealing with these people. And they will always win while you lose. You can have an attachment to this because some of these things will create some control over what you might say and what you might do, how you act based off of someone's perceptions or how they feel that you need to engage with them. And... Just looking at it in a certain way that you can understand the type of person you might be dealing with just from these listed off alone. We'll go into assertiveness and then I'll kind of end a little bit more on, I guess, why I really struggle with receiving help. With the assertiveness wheel, 
this is what you're looking for in terms of being assertive over aggressive. You or this person may have a social neutral openness. So you're not necessarily judging anybody for anything that they say or do. You're just accepting it exactly as it is. Uh, confident speech and manner. Respecting rights, yours and others, or boundaries. By the way, the assertiveness wheel is uh, all green lights for any type of relationship if this is the type of person you want in your life versus the aggression wheel is all red legs. <laughs> so um, moving on from respecting rights of yours and others or boundaries, um, I still struggle with this guy once in a while. <laughs> Taking compliments and victories. I don't know if it's like a humble thing or just not liking the attention, but I still struggle with taking compliments. So like, I'll be super proud of myself when someone says something as a compliment and I actually take it. I'm like, oh my God, guys, I did it. <laughs> so moving on from compliments and victories, there's speaking your truth. And this one was also a huge struggle for me. Have you ever felt as if you are trying to get something off your chest that you know needs to be said, but every time you try to, it feels like there's a huge lump in your throat? Or you just can't get it out to speak? This really comes down to timing. <laughs> Sometimes there's perfect timing for things that need to be said, and... Um, I promise you, once you actually start speaking to your truths, it does get easier for your throat to open up. <laughs> it really does. So, if out of anything, please always speak your truth. Next one is persisting or negotiating or addressing consequences. Now, what does addressing consequences mean? Hey, maybe I have said boundary, and if you cross it, this is what happens. But, what if you don't uphold your own boundaries, and you don't ever address it when people step over your boundaries? Then, what sort of tyrancy or inner turmoil are you inflicting on yourself because you're letting people walk all over you? Maybe some self-pity. The next one is an authentic, natural presence. You are in your power and in your assertiveness when you're being authentic. You are not changing yourself for anyone. You're not putting on a mask to try and make someone feel a certain way about you or... Maybe you want to hang out with that crowd of people and they don't like whatever type of music and you pretend that you absolutely hate it when you love it. Like, it's a pretty basic example, but in terms of this, if you're not showing up in your authenticity and you're trying to be someone that you're not, 
It fucking shows. It shows. And if you can't be your most authentic self in front of people because you're scared of what they might think of you, then you're just doing yourself a disservice and everyone else around you because you clearly can't accept yourself, so how do you expect others to? We're going into agreeing or disagreeing mildly or actively. So this is the type of shit that I'm talking about in terms of cancel culture lately. (laughs) You may be having a conversation with someone and maybe your viewpoint doesn't match theirs. And so they might disagree with you but they disagree with you on a reactive level and completely cancel you and maybe they stop talking to you. And I've had a lot of conversations lately that result in, say, a disagreement, but we are able to see maybe, hey, I don't need to fully agree with you in order to still have a critical thinking exploration of this conversation and I think when you're able to discern and be disciplined and practice that type of willpower to not react just because someone thinks about you differently or thinks differently on your view of politics or your view of parenting or whatever that might be When we're able to practice this discernment and have conversations without canceling people is when we no longer separate ourselves from each other. So in terms of all of this, you do not justify and you do not need to have an attachment to anything. You also listen and you clarify. So say someone says something And maybe you don't necessarily agree with it or you don't know exactly where they're coming from. So you try to reframe, you listen to what they're saying, and then you clarify so as to not have any sort of arguments. You're not justifying that you're right based on whatever information is here. And you don't have an attachment to the outcome. You're just experiencing everything as it is and you're participating in a win-win situation where everybody's winning here. That is what you want to be looking for in terms of green flags for people (laughs) is assertiveness. We definitely don't want to be in a position where we're allowing others to take advantage of us. Where... We deflect compliments or diminish our victories. Where we're always trying to fit in and always agree with everyone. You give up or you give in when something gets tough. You might be a chameleon. And you're just trying to fit in and disappear and not cause a ruckus. (laughs) Um, or maybe you're fighting and then you just give in because you're tired. 
and it's harder to speak your truth and continue on. Maybe there's an overall confusion or lack of clarity there. And maybe you just follow along without asking. You're just like, oh, well, everybody else is doing it, so I'll do it. Maybe you feel the need to justify yourself or explain yourself in every situation. You're making sacrifices. That would be passivity. And that's a lose-win situation. So you're losing while others are winning because you're giving them exactly what they want. So we don't want to be passive. We don't want to be aggressive, but we want to be assertive. And a lot of people really don't like when you stand up for your boundaries, you speak your truth, you neither agree or disagree or maybe cause fights over things. You're able to stay pretty neutral. You're confident in what you need to speak to. So really try and practice assertiveness. I hope you're all taking notes still. Really try and practice assertiveness in your daily life. And if you're encountering any of these tyrants, start by practicing maybe your willpower or your forbearance or control, maybe discipline or overall timing of things. What do you need to do in order for you to retain your power and not lose it? I'm going to end this guy shortly. can't believe I've almost talked for a whole hour already. I was going to make this so short and sweet and it turned into shamanism. <laughs> so to go back to what I was talking about originally, I... I've really been trying to distance myself from my own family because there's a lack of mutual respect in terms of tyrancy and it can be super frustrating um, with a lack of boundaries and dealing with an individual when there's an overall lack of control for the situation of how they, they want things to go, that arguments get started. And if you politely try to avoid said argument, it turns into even more of an argument. And the goal there is to really not be super reactive, but it happens sometimes. And... Maybe you've experienced that reactivity. Maybe you've said some things that you're like, ah, shit, I just stooped to their level and I could have definitely approached that differently. Guess what? That's a mistake and that's a failure and that's something to learn from the next time. And in terms of unhealed trauma, this all stems from dealing with tyrancy. But I am not one to accept help from others. Because when I accepted help from my parents growing up, there was a lot of strings attached. It's like, well, I did this for you, so you need to do this for me. 
or um, just straight up, I'm your parent, so you need to do this. But if there were ever any questions or needing for clarification, it wasn't given to you because it was just an authoritarian I say so. And that's really what they go for in terms of tyrancy, that they just want to have control over the situation. And whatever they can do to be in that win-loss situation for you is what really does it for them. So when people offer me help now, I A, don't want to be a burden. I really will justify everything I can to be like, it's really not necessary for you to help because I'm very much so a giving person and I, when I give, there are no strings attached and I don't expect anything back. I don't expect anything in return later on down the line. When I give you something, I just try to do it to not be a shitty person and Hopefully that'll eventually come back around in terms of energy. But when you don't accept help from someone, you are doing yourself and the other person a disservice. And I talked about this one with Mel in another episode that when you aren't able to accept help from someone when they're offering it, You're not allowing them to live up to their potential. The potential of what they could receive in terms of what they're giving you. And the potential for what you would receive from the good that they're helping you with. So when we refuse to accept help from people, we are essentially dampening both parties because maybe they could have helped you in some sort of situation and you just straight up refused it because maybe you didn't think they would understand maybe you're used to having to push people away because you feel like there are strings attached and you don't want to have to essentially deal with the repercussions of that moving forward Because when someone genuinely wants to help you and you've had some sort of strings attached in the past, you're going to be like, no, it's okay. Like, I'm totally fine doing it on my own because I've learned from the past. And then therefore, we're not being present and we're not allowing the good to come from said situation. So the first step with this is always acknowledging it and trying to move forward. Um, I had a friend today um, really try and be super helpful and cheer me up when I was having a situation with my family and more drama. (laughs) And I literally just felt like I didn't want to be a bother I also didn't want to feel like I needed to explain the situation and it not be understood. Um, But then I'm 
realizing after the fact that I did it that I was inadvertently pushing my friend away and really just digging deep into that trauma of there's going to be strings attached. I don't want to burden this person. I can deal with it on my own because if I do it on my own, then no one else is going to get hurt. Nothing's going to happen that's going to affect anybody else and I'll move on. And I've done that lots my entire life. <laughs> so really understanding the importance of accepting help from others when they offer it so that they can live up to their potential and I can receive something good from it too. The last thing <laughs> that I want to touch on here is people's perceptions. People are either going to be neutral, they're going to like you, they're going to dislike you, they're going to love you, or they're going to hate you. No matter what you do, people are going to pick one. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> no matter what you do, people are going to pick one. Neutrality, love, hate, dislike, or like. And if Jesus Christ can't do better, what makes you think you can? What makes you think that you're going to do anything different if he couldn't stop people from picking love or hate? or like or dislike, or neutrality. So at the end of the day, do what is right for you. And as much as sometimes, yeah, you need to sit with your feelings and process it rather than, you know, smoking it away, drinking it away, fucking it away, numbing yourself with some TV or whatever it is that you choose, it is important to sit and deal with your feelings. It is also equally important to understand where your triggers are coming from, how to stand up for yourself, and how you choose to move through the world. At the end of the day, what relationships are no longer suiting you? Cut that shit. Cut it out. The toxic relationships, doesn't matter if it is your friend that you have known since you were in kindergarten. It does not matter if it is your mom or your dad or your sister, your brother, your boyfriend, girlfriend whatever your significant other is whatever you identify with if people are being toxic and affecting your mental physical emotional well-being cut that shit out <laughs>